up a lovely photo. I, I was looking. I think he came off really well because he looked like a 70s disco guy and, and I kind of looked like this punk guy. But if you had seen the whole photo, my, uh, it was, it was uh, leopard skin leggings, wasn't it? <laughs> it's like not really the look you want people to see. So, so I'm pleased it was just a photo from the top up. Um, but I couldn't find any incriminating photos of Raj. So if you have any, um, you know where to send them. Great. And what, uh, what I, uh, Sandra didn't tell you is that Jonathan fed the kids uh, hot dogs and crisps for his breakfast when he got up with them. Is that right? <laughs> so yes. A, boy, a boy's breakfast, hot dogs and crisps. No, not really. Okay, we're carrying on through Mark. And uh, if you've got a Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 4. And we're going from verse 21 uh, to 34. The words will be on the screen if you haven't got a Bible there with you. So what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to read through this passage and uh, then I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to get into what God has for us this morning. So Mark 4, 21 to 34. <coughs> he said to them, Do you bring... Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though it does not know how, all by itself, the soil produces corn. First the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Well, what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when it planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such great big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. Lord Jesus, we come to your word this morning knowing that there we find truth, that there we find life. Just as, as those disciples said, where should we go 
Where else would we go? You have you've the words of eternal life. And so as we come to you, we're not coming to simply a nice talk or coming to one another. We're coming to you. We're coming to hear you. We're coming to... We're coming, as that song said, we know that you love us. We, we know who we're coming to. And we ask, would you speak to us? Send the Spirit this morning that he might enable us, that he might work in us, that he might speak to us your words. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So we are looking at more parables of Jesus. Parables, they're stories. They're stories that were told at the time. These are stories that Jesus told. And he used everyday illustrations, everyday pictures, really, to teach a spiritual truth. So, two weeks ago, what did we have? Two weeks ago, what was the, the parable? Parable of the sower, yes, yeah. Excellent. And about the soil. And today, we're looking at the, um, another parable about how seed grows and also about a mustard seed. Teaching about growth, about spiritual growth. What does it mean in God's kingdom? But in between, so in between the parable of the sower that we had two weeks ago and these two parables that we're looking at today, uh, Mark slips in some words of Jesus in between them, um, really about a lamp that we read. And it's really an explanation of what the purpose of the parables is. See, the purpose of these parables is to teach the amazing truth of who Jesus is. They're meant to reveal Jesus to us. See, Jesus is revealing the truth and the love of God. He's revealing God to us because he is God. He's saying to them, I want to reveal God to you. And the purpose of these parables is that I'm revealing. They're revealing something of me to you. That's what they do. That's what these stories do, he says. They're like a lamp on a stand, bringing light so that you can see me for who I am. Do you know, he, he knows this world is in need of rescue. And do you know, he's revealing the Father's rescue plan. It's been concealed, it's been hidden, but now brought into the light. And what's it all about? It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. See, not everyone, not everyone understood the parables, but he shared the meaning fully with his followers. In a sense, the lamp was being put on a stand for them so that they could see the light, see him revealed. And soon that light would be shown to the world, displayed for the world to see. And uh, then he says these funny words, doesn't he? He says, he says, Consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, 
it will be measured to you and even more. Hmm. What does that mean? What is that about? Well, let's look at what does it not mean. Let's first start with what does that not mean? It doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean you will get out of the Christian life what you put in. It doesn't mean the more you work at your Christian faith, the more you work at the Christian life, the more God will love you, the more God will accept you. It doesn't mean those things. That is not a gospel of grace. That's not the gospel. That is a gospel of works. That is what you can put into it will will show how much God gives you back and how much God loves you and how much God accepts you. That's not grace. Do you know, we bring nothing to God. We bring, no, we, bring, we, we bring something. We bring our sin. We bring our disobedience. We bring our shame. And because of the cross, he exchanges it for his perfect life, for his perfect obedience. And that's what we're given. Free. It's a grace gift to us. You cannot, you cannot add anything to that. You are loved forevermore. Nothing will make God love you more now. Just as we sang this morning, and uh, Jody brought that thing uh, uh, from the Bible about you know, knowing, I know God loves me. We're singing, I know you love me. I can stand before you, God, and know you love me. I can read it in your word and know that you love me. We can't add anything to that. It's wonderful. It's grace. So what are these words about then? Well, they're about how we are hearing his message. How are we grasping hold of it? Not simply pay attention to take in some information. I remember as a young uh, as, a, as a teenager, and perhaps there might be teenagers here who will, uh, uh, who will know this, uh, and this will resonate with them. I remember as a teenager, my parents would tell me things. My mum perhaps would say something. Simon, you need to do this after school, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. What did I just say, Simon? And if I was really lucky, I might have remembered just a little bit of it and I could repeat it back to her and I would feel so smug. See, some things don't change today, actually. I'm probably still a bit like that. Do you know, what did I say, dear? Um, do you, you know, it's not, it's not, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus isn't saying, just, take, just listen a bit harder, just take in a little bit more information. That's not what he's saying. It's the attitude that you receive it with. See, in, our, uh, in my 21st century Western thinking sometimes, and perhaps in yours, we, we, th- we think like this. We think, we think hearing is about taking information in and then weighing it up. Uh, just weigh it, and then just making a decision about it. Okay, what do I think about that? Okay. Now, that's not how it works with Jesus, he says. See... If we hear Jesus' message and think that somehow we can be the decision-maker about it, we can, we can be the judge of it, actually, we'll miss him. 
But actually, if we hear his message with the attitude of, you know, I'm seeking you, Jesus, and, and therefore I'm going to take seriously your words. I'm going to apply faith as I hear them. Actually, that's when we encounter him. See, Jesus wants his listeners to avoid a kind of, a kind of casual, relaxed view of, of him. You know, the kind, of, the kind of view that just says, well, Jesus, what you say is all right. It's okay. It's fine. I could take it or leave it. It's no big deal. He's trying to get them to avoid that attitude. No, no, this is life-giving truth. He's saying, don't be cautious. Don't be relaxed about how you receive it. It's a little bit like this measuring jug. I'm going to need it. Raj, would you help me? You won't get wet. It's all right. Just hold this cup here. It's a bit like this measuring jug. Here's our measuring jug with its measurements on. And Jesus, he says, you know, you can... It's all right. You you have to stand away. It's okay. (laughs) It's like, do you know, if you... If you are a little bit stingy, I don't know how that word translates, if you are a little bit cautious about the attitude you take, the attitude you come to Jesus with, well, actually, you, that, that's kind of what, what you'll find. That's kind of what you'll be measured out to you. Not too much. But, but actually, if we have an attitude, a generous, God, I'm, I'm seeking you, I'm, I'm persisting in faith to you, if we're generous, I'm not going to be able to pour that in the cup, am I? Actually, it's what poured out to us. We'll stop there. Okay. Thank you, Raj. You did get a little bit wet. So, what measure are you using? How are you hearing Jesus' words today? Are you cautious? Are you relaxed? Is it no big deal? Are you receiving them with faith? Are you persisting with his words? Or imagine, imagine you were going on holiday. Imagine you were going on holiday with a friend to somewhere with like a great coral reef. Do you know that the, the, the places where in the sea... There's, there's kind of wonderful colour, colourful plants and, and colourful fish. And uh, it is called a coral reef, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, imagine you're going to kind of that, one of those places where that's out, just, just out a little bit further. And you go with a friend and you're both on the beach. And your friend says, look, look, come out a bit further. Come and see this coral reef. Come and see the colours. Come and see the fish. Look, just I'll take you out there. And you say, Well, that's all right, thanks. I'll just I'll just stay in the I'll just stay in the shallow waters. I'll just I'll just stay here. I I I've seen it on the internet actually. It's okay. Well, uh, my my dad went there once. He went out and he said it was all right. So I, I've kind of kind of got that to live with. Actually, if that's the attitude, you'll miss something. You'll miss something. 
you won't be able to experience what your friend is encouraging you out there too. You need to follow him. If you don't follow him, you'll miss it. See, do you see what Jesus is saying? You have to follow your friends. See, Jesus spoke in parables that actually they could really only fully understand if they followed him. But so many were reluctant to follow him. They were reluctant to believe that he was God's chosen one, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Saviour. You know, they had this pre-existing idea of who the Messiah would be, what the Messiah would look like. He'd be a political figure who would free them from the Roman authorities and establish an earthly kingdom. That's what they were expecting. That's what they wanted. But actually, Jesus wasn't fitting in with what their Messiah would look like. But their view was wrong. It was wrong. But they wouldn't follow him. And because they wouldn't follow him, they missed his message. They missed his message. See, it's a reminder, isn't it, that Jesus' teaching, Jesus' miracles, they don't produce some kind of automatic response. We see that in the Gospels. People around were called to do something. They were called to respond. And so are we. But actually we find as we respond, what we find is we can only respond because of the Spirit in us. Because he has put his spirit in us, enabling us to respond, enabling us to come to him. See, Jesus' words here are an encouragement to us. But actually, they're also a warning. He says this, For to the one who has, more will be given. And to the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So he's saying, actually, Jesus is saying, discarding my message, ignoring me, can result in loss. You'll miss out. You will miss out on the fullness of life that God is giving you if you ignore this message, Jesus says. Jubilee, there is two ways for us to go as a people together. We can pursue the adventure of following Jesus and responding to him. And actually, as we do that, we find great fulfillment, find fullness of life, find satisfying life. Or we can pursue our own agendas, our own desires, our own comforts. And actually, we find we'll miss, we'll miss out on true life. There is no standing still in the kingdom of God. Okay, so let's look at these two parables. Can we have the first slide of ours? I'll read, I'll read out this parable again. This is what Jesus says. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know how, all by itself the soil produces corn. First the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the grain is ripe, 
he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. So this and the next parable are about growth, how we spiritually grow, how the kingdom of God grows. And I thought Paul was so helpful uh, two weeks ago um, on the last parable about how, how actually, it's, you know, if you know God, it's because of his calling, it's because of his choosing, it's because of his drawing of you. But you can imagine that some of Jesus' followers, after hearing the parable of the sower two weeks ago, um, how many of them would have just wondered, what is the point of creating this new community? No, no, matter, how much, no matter how hard we work, no matter how much effort we put in, it seems like it's just dependent on each individual and, and what kind of soil they are. How are we going to change the world? Well, actually, in this parable, Jesus says that the kingdom of God works like this. A man scatters seed, and it's the earth that produces the crops. It's the earth that produces the plants. God causes his kingdom to grow. It's God who puts new life into people. It's God who enables them to grow. Only God can do it. See, Jesus wants his disciples to know, don't think it's all about you. Don't think it's down to you. God is at work. See, there's a helpful example in uh, uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthian Corinthian church um, where uh, they're having an argument about who's the best leader, who's the best one around, who's the one we should really associate with most. And uh, this is what Paul says to them. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. In other words, spiritual life, new growth, it's down to God. So it's really important we don't say it's all down to us. Because what will happen is eventually you and I will get frustrated, we'll get disappointed, but even worse, even worse, we're in the danger of elevating ourselves above God. Essentially making, making ourselves an idol to be worshipped instead of God. And it can start with good intentions. I want to see my family changed. I want to see my community changed for God. But it could eventually turn into, well, actually, it's all down to us anyway, because, hey, we're pretty good. Hey, we're pretty impressive. And actually, God's incapable of doing it without us. Beware. Beware of turning yourself into an idol. So this parable is also about the spiritual growth of every Christian, every follower of Jesus. See, like the seed, there is spiritual growth happening in you and I. In in Paul's uh, second letter to the Corinthians, uh, in uh, chapter 3, he says... He says, do you know, followers, followers of Jesus are being changed as they go through life to be more like him. They're being changed. I think it says they're being made into the image of his likeness or something like that. Followers of Christ are being changed to be more like Jesus. We don't understand that in the same way as actually the farmer doesn't understand 
totally how everything grows. He puts the seed in, but it grows. See, reading God's word, worshipping him, serving others, sharing our faith. Actually, we don't know how these cause us to spiritually grow, but they do. They do. We don't, we don't totally understand. We don't totally get it all. But you don't need to in order to live into the, in the good of it. How about this? Suffering. Difficulty. We don't always understand how that causes us to grow. We'd prefer to do without it, if we're really honest. But God uses it often to make us grow. Spiritual growth. See, people can be very anxious about spiritual growth. What must I do to grow? Come on. What, tell me what I need to do. I must grow. Give me a ten-point program to grow. Listen. God is at work in you. So you might be thinking, well, hang on a minute, which, which way round is it? I think I, there's a contradiction here. Is it about the measure I use? Is it about that? Or is it about God growing in me? Which, which one is it? Is it a contradiction? No, no, it's not. But there is mystery in it. See, we're called to gen- uh, generously, purposefully pursue God. But as we do that, actually we realise that he's enabled us to do that. Actually, he's put his spirit in us to do that. He causes growth within us. It's a mystery. But we're never promised we'll understand everything. Who's been, who's been a Christian a very long time? Have you got everything yet? <laughs> Have you understood everything yet? No, no. We're not promised that. So this is what uh, Philippians 2.12 says. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. See, we can be confident that God is at work in us. See, the problem is, we just don't believe it sometimes. We just don't want to believe it. But as we live in the truth that God is at work in us, it will cause us to work out our faith, as it says in that passage. Do you believe Philippians 2.12? Come on, let's say it together. Okay, you can repeat after me. It says this. Continue to work out your salvation. Continue to work out your salvation. With fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. To will and to act. In order to fulfill his good purpose. Can be confident God is at work in us. Okay, on to the second parable. If you put the other side of Alison. Thank you. Okay, let's read this very, very quickly. What should we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable should we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. Again, it's about growth. 
A small seed can become a huge plant. There's a focus on small beginnings. See, you can imagine it was great comfort to these disciples. What, there's just us? There's just, there's there's not many of us. There's there's just a few of us, and we're not very impressive at that. Um, But God often begins things with insignificant beginnings. Well, you look at you look at Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament, and, and God promises, "I'm going to make a great nation out of you." And what? We haven't got kids. And what does God do? Look at King David and what God established in King David. But he starts with a little shepherd boy who his dad almost ignores at points and he's not even included in one of the sons or Esther a young Jewish orphan girl essentially who becomes queen who saves the people who saves God's people in a foreign land And you know, there would have been lots, there are, if you look in the Old Testament, prophetic words about a kingdom that would come where it would would be like a tree established and birds would be able to perch in it and it would be like no other kingdom. Jesus starts with a small band of followers and the gospel spreads right around the world. Okay, so, how do these parables help us? Because there are principles here that can help us in the Christian life. Well, firstly, they bring encouragement. Many of us need to hear today the truth of these parables. Perhaps you often get discouraged. Perhaps you get disappointed. Perhaps, perhaps you have a, a family, a friend or family member, you so dearly want to become a Christian. I want them to come to know Jesus. And perhaps sometimes that discourages you. Perhaps there's a sense of disappointment. Or perhaps you hit challenges in life and you just think, what's the point? What's the point of going on? What's the point of trying to live for God? Actually, these parables bring us encouragement that God is advancing his kingdom. They bring us encouragement that God is advancing his kingdom even in the challenges of life. That God is working in the hearts of your friends, of your family members, in ways that you don't understand. See, whose journey to faith uh, involved Um, a friend or someone inviting them to an event, perhaps an alpha course or perhaps a a Christian event or a Sunday morning. Just put your hand up. Okay. But isn't that encouraging? That's encouraging, isn't it? It started perhaps just with a seed, perhaps just with an... Come along to this. Why don't you come along to this event? Come along. Do you know, it's encouraging. God is at work in life after life after life. 
I hope that encourages you. Perhaps encourages you to think about, who am I going to invite next Sunday? Who might I invite to the Christmas celebration? Who am I might invite to Alpha next term? It brings These parables bring us encouragement. And also, these parables remind us that we can all be involved in advancing God's kingdom. We can all be involved in what God's doing in the world. We can all sow seed. We can all share faith. We can all stand up for truth wherever we are. You know, it might just be something the size of a mustard seed, but you would be amazed at what God can do with it. (laughs) Perhaps you were involved in leafleting this week. Some people went out to leaflet um, uh, Gresham with about the fun day and about the Christmas concert. You know, I guess it probably almost feels like that. Actually, we're just sowing seed. (laughs) Who knows? It just feels like a little mustard seed just sticking something through someone's door. Actually, see what God can do. See what God can do. Perhaps, perhaps you know God's calling you to something. He's calling you to do something, but it just feels like a mustard seed. God, it just feels like a, a small little thing. It's just showing an act of kindness to a friend in some kind of way, or or something, or or it's it's just this. It feels like a mustard seed. But God loves small beginnings. And there are countless stories, I guarantee you, in this church, of things, ministries, starting with a small mustard seed and seeing what God does to grow it. Okay, and finally, they help us to see the big picture. They help us to make Christianity all about me and my needs. And this can happen. We can turn. We can turn Christianity into a self-centered, it's all about me. It's all about my personal salvation, my personal blessing. Um, many, many of you will know our, our friend David Devonish, um, who uh, uh, leads a number of churches within New Frontiers. And uh, he wrote a great book, which I would really encourage you to read. If you, we've got a copies of it in our library called What on Earth is the Church For? So you can get it in the, the, the church library at Melbourne House. But he says in his book, he says that parables about the kingdom help us to avoid presenting what it means to be a Christian as simply, it's about me and my salvation. And he says they help us to represent the fullness of God's salvation plan to bring about his kingdom to the world. So you and I haven't been saved simply to make a cosy club. about seeing God's kingdom established and advanced. And I get excited when I hear different things. I get excited when I hear about safe families and Jonathan and Sandra talking about that. I get excited when I hear stories of God advancing his kingdom in people like you and I. Are you seeing the big picture today? Okay, I want to end shortly, but I want to end with this. See, this passage teaches us that God's rule, God's reign is growing in our lives and in the lives of more and more people. Because as this kingdom grows, actually people find their purpose, they find their true meaning in Jesus. And Jesus is showing us in these parables, this is what the rule and reign of God 
looks like. This is what it looks like. He's bringing the kingdom in a totally new way. How is it established? How is it announced? How is it ushered in? Was it by the overthrow of the Roman authorities? Was it by the establishment of this great new earthly kingdom? No, no. It's established like this. By a man who was God, who was falsely accused, falsely tried, put to death on a cross. What a tiny mustard seed that must have seemed. You know, people were put to death all the time by the Romans. But in his death, in this what seemed like a tiny mustard seed, Jesus defeated death. Jesus defeated sin. Jesus was raised to life. And because of that event, a new kingdom was established, a kingdom that would never fade away. And for those who put their faith in Jesus, they're brought into that kingdom. <laughs> this is what it says, this is what it says in one Colos- uh, Colossians 1. It says this, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sin. Perhaps you're not a Christian here this morning. You you can find your place in God's kingdom, in his growing, advancing kingdom. But it starts. It starts with humility. (laughs) It starts with what seems like a tiny mustard seed. It starts by coming to Jesus. It starts by saying... I'm choosing to follow you. I'm choosing to believe that on the cross you dealt with my sin. I'm choosing at the cross you dealt with my shame forever. And I'm now yours. And you made me new. You made me a new creation. I want us to uh, pray and then I want us to sing and worship together. Um, why don't we pray? Let's come to God. The band can come up, but let's just let's come to God. <laughs> let's come in prayer. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you you're with us. <laughs> Thank you you've been with us all morning. <laughs> Thank you you're always with us. Revealing Jesus afresh to us. And I want to ask, would you come and work in us right now as you have been doing all morning? Come and speak to us right now. come to Jesus the one who we can sing of I know you love me and I know you have I've been brought into your kingdom I've been brought into your kingdom forever And there I am given purpose. I'm given life. I'm called to declare the goodness of God to those around me. Thank you. Thank you. I want to pray particularly for those um, uh, three points 
encouragement. Perhaps you just need to know encouragement this morning. Listen. God is advancing his kingdom. And he wants you to be encouraged in him. Be built up in him. He wants you to be encouraged to, just as uh, Christine brought that picture of, about building the walls on Jesus, firm in truth. He wants to encourage you. He wants to encourage you to carry on building your life in Christ. He wants to bring encouragement this morning. Just allow the Spirit to speak encouragement to you this morning. Perhaps you, you, perhaps you know there's something he's calling you to, uh, something that seems like a small mustard seed. You know, he wants to He wants you to know that he loves small beginnings. He sees the big picture. He doesn't see, he doesn't simply see small beginnings. He doesn't simply see uh, one act, an act of kindness or one act of grace. But he sees, he sees the ripples of it. He sees the effects of it. You know, perhaps that might mean you need to do something this week. That might mean you need to speak to someone this week. You need to do some action this week because we can all be involved listen it's not simply for superstars as if there's any superstars amongst us we are all involved in advancing and declaring and proclaiming the kingdom each one of us allow God just to remind you of that this morning, to stir you with that truth this morning. Perhaps you've just let your gaze just slip from making it all about you, making life all about you, and missing the big picture. He doesn't come with words of condemnation. He doesn't come with words to put you down, but actually words to build you up. Words to that will enable you to see your place in advancing his kingdom. Your place in the big picture. And he comes with words of truth, of love this morning to you. He says, come and join me on this adventure this adventure of establishing my kingdom. Just for a minute, allow the Spirit to speak into your every corner of your heart, every part of you. Allow him to come and work in you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Thank you, Lord. the band play let's worship Jesus
Let's worship this King of Kings.